0: I haven't been to the church often since this pandemic began. Sure, I come here once or twice a week to make these videos. There's the occasional walkthrough before or after a run to check out the plumbing, security, or even the plants. I honestly cannot remember the last time I was in my office, though I know it was a couple weeks ago. Why was I in there? I couldn't tell you. Time is an unusually compressed but indefinable thing right now for many of us. But whatever I, whenever I do come here, I first come to this sanctuary, this place, and I sit. I just sit and I breathe. Sometimes thoughts cross my mind. Some might call them a prayer or a reflection or a meditation. I don't give them a name. I just take note and notice. I notice the feelings, the memories, I notice what it is to be here. Perhaps there's the sound of rain outside, the birds singing happily. The windows will pull my attention to the natural world around me. The warmth of the wood intensifies the light. I'll sit up where I normally would sit on a Sunday morning or among the congregation. One thing I especially notice these days is the chairs. Now, I know this is a running joke with me as your minister, but I hope you know it's because I care about us putting on our best face to whoever is visiting us and whoever joins us, whether they're a member or a friend or a newcomer. But the chairs, they're far too perfect these days. I find myself wanting them to get messed up, pushed around, oddly spaced. Because right now, these perfect chairs This is a sign of a congregation not lived in. This is the sign of a church during COVID-19. So much has been put on hold for many of us. Even those of us that continue to work in whatever industry it might be. That might be all there is left for us right now. Work, not much else. And yet there are gatherings. We have our gatherings with one another right now, online, right here. It's something, but... There's still so much that is lost, and I think you know what I mean. You know what is missing, the energy and the vibrancy. And so I sit and remember those things. I remember that not all is lost, that when we are back together again, though it will never be the same, that there will be a renewed appreciation for what makes up our lives. But it does weigh heavy. And I'm especially mindful that today, is the five-year anniversary of our journey together beginning, when my candidating week began here in this congregation. And we've done wonderful things over the last five years together. We've disagreed some, but not a lot. We've said goodbye to beloved members and family. These thoughts and so many more are on my heart, not just when I sit here, but every single day. We never imagined a few months ago, let alone five years ago, that the world would look like this, that our species would be trying to lessen the impact of a worldwide pandemic. We never imagined, and yet here we are. All we can do is meet life where it is. Now, I'm grateful to a member of this community, Liz Karras, for sharing her wisdom on the great pause last week, this forced stopping quarantine, this radical shift in living, so thank you, Liz. I'm especially grateful for her reminder that in the midst of all of this, we need not dwell in guilt for the gifts of joy we find amidst worldwide trauma. We need joy more than ever. We need rest. We need renewal. We need Sabbath time. For in the midst of joy, we are still being impacted. We know people are dying. We know there is much anger and sadness to be had. But Liz also lifted up the words of some great teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh Eckhart Tolle. It's interesting. I find that when you get near to the contemplatives of any religious tradition, the message is the same, beyond any God, ritual, or history. And the message is to just sit, breathe deeply, meet life where it is, embrace the not knowing, and open your eyes to confront the day as the gift it is in all of its terror and all of its beauty. I wonder what we are noticing as we confront life right now. Many of you have shared with me that you don't want things to go back to normal, whatever that word ever meant in the first place, normal. I'm with you. I am so with you. Others of you are still struggling to make meaning of this, to get a new routine, to confront all of the emotions you may have been avoiding by filling your life with busyness for years. I'm with you there too. I thought I wasn't, but oh, we are on this journey together, dear friends. We all are. If only this great pause could endure. And I pray that there is something indelible to be learned in this moment. I know there is a lot of excitement, careful excitement, welling up for some people right now, especially as states reopen, some to catastrophic consequences. But still, the thought of reopening is seductive, with our own governor offering rough timelines. It's something that I am mentally referring to as the great restart. It's full of questions, few answers, and your board and staff are working diligently to provide rough outlines of what this will look like, if at all, for us. Now, I hate to be the minister that crushes hopes and dreams, Yet in this moment, I must be. We will not be reopening for some time, at least until there is a vaccine, an effective treatment, herd immunity, or some combination thereof. And I say this often, but church should be life-giving and life-affirming, and neither of those are found in being hasty amidst a pandemic. Sure, there might be smaller groups uh, that are able to start meeting in the future, so long as they have face masks, maintain distance, and thoroughly disinfect the space they use time and time and time again and as for singing that won't be happening for a long time we won't get to crack open the hymnals let alone project the lyrics and there's more details than just um, this difficulty for us and I don't think it serves any of us to lie about what we are looking at and how long this will last how things will never be the same and some beloved things about our community will not return for a good long while. Yet in this difficult news, in this not knowing, I'm experiencing gratitude. Of all things, gratitude. Gratitude for those of you keeping this place alive, for knowing and naming the long haul before all of us. The great pause continues. And so I turn to our history. And you you should know about this about me as your minister. I like to look for the forgotten names of Unitarians and Universalists in ages past. People like you and me who loved this faith so deeply that they transformed it without even knowing it. And so this is not the first time we've had a pandemic. It won't be the last. But what's interesting to me, though, is how the 1918 flu pandemic has never really dug its roots in our cultural memory in the way other events have. It hasn't run deep, like the Civil War, the Great Depression, the World Wars, 9-11, even the Great Recession of 2008. It's a curious thing to not have cultural memory of that pandemic. And so as we look to that time, we start to see there were similarities to what we are experiencing today. And there were Unitarians and Universalists responding. They responded like many churches did right now. As the news broke of the flu starting to spread from a military base in Kansas, churches looked to their local leaders for guidance. Some closed immediately, some didn't, to disastrous consequences. And the Unitarians and Universalists found themselves at the forefront of many of the debates around how and when to close down and for how long. Being religions that have always valued human reason, uh, many responded swiftly. They converted their sanctuaries into hospitals, soup kitchens, or just places of rest and renewal for uh, exhausted healthcare workers. They entered into a great pause of their time, but kept the heart of their faith alive. And you might think it was harder for them to stay in touch then, but it, it really wasn't. They wrote letters to one another, they sent poems and books, newspaper clippings, they'd wave at each other from sidewalks wearing masks they weren't doing, the gnoming like we're doing with some of our congregants. Uh, They also found themselves at a point in time where we are now, with inklings of reopening, restarting, and rushing back, perhaps the hope of rushing back into how things were. There was one minister from the past in particular, the Reverend Charles Graves, who Uh, was a Unitarian minister serving in Connecticut. And he had a sermon published in the newspaper that he wrote and delivered during the Spanish flu. Um, And this was back when sermons were readily published in such things. And in that sermon, he called out traditional Christianity in particular, and their desire to rush to reopen, only to find the flu hitting their congregations hard. He remarked in that sermon that it was not God's work to fight the epidemic, but ours. We were empowered to keep ourselves safe. This was, of course, during a time when many Unitarians still affirmed a deity. But even for those among us today who still do affirm a deity, there is that sentiment. We are empowered with our own reason and intellect to keep ourselves safe. You only need to recall the news right here in Kentucky of churches insisting that God would protect them from COVID 19, only to hear a few days later about a coronavirus outbreak in their congregations. But there's one thing about how Unitarians and Universalists lived through the flu epidemic of 1918 that is far more important uh, than the everyday pieces of their lives. It had everything to do with the burning coal, the center the beating heart, call it what you will, that is our faith. It is not a faith of lofty hopes and unachievable promises. It's a faith of practical hope and commitment to being the change we desire. It means that the Unitarian sense of hope isn't often the nicest or fluffiest. It can be hard to digest. But so too we are the instruments of that hope. It will not happen if we do not keep the heart of our faith alive. And so the Unitarians and the Universalists during during the flu pandemic of 1918, um, they did that. Women's alliances sewed together uh, countless gauze face masks for healthcare workers and members of their congregations, just as we have a few people in our community doing so now. Churches became community centers of healing and renewal ministers and lay leaders still call out the injustices of their time we no- only need look at the plight of our health care and prison systems right here right now it should be painfully clear income inequality the shooting of Ahmad aubrey rest in power and all of the inequity present in our society it should be as clear as day right now as it was for the unitarians and universalists during the 1918 pandemic they saw clearly the plight of the people, even as they couldn't meet in their congregations or leave their homes. So those ancestors of ours stayed committed, even though they could not be together and sing their songs of gladness, because the beating heart of their faith was so much bigger than any sanctuary, any hymnal, any pandemic. And that is the hope for today, for right now during this great pause, and during the long, unknowable future as we pick up the pieces. How are you keeping the heart of Unitarian Universalism alive? That is the question for all of you. Blessed be. Amen.